0: Welcome back to the Nationally Syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. You know, it's amazing how small the world has become in the last uh, few decades, and what happens around the world has a profound impact everywhere, around the world. And, and certainly China, with this size, is a big big example of that. And so uh, today we're going to be talking to David Lynch. And uh, any long-term listener of the show knows now for about a year, a little longer, I've been doing an ongoing series with the Washington Post, interviewing journalists with the Post every week on the show. It's one of my favorite features. I'm a huge fan of the Post. Uh, it's one of the true, only true uh, newspapers of records meaning newspapers with depth and breadth of coverage and, and focus on a plethora of topics in a way that most publications don't do. So I'm a fan. may not always agree, David, uh, I, ideologically. I'm right of center, uh, but I love the thoroughness of it. And I think everyone needs to challenge their natural beliefs um, by looking at stuff that maybe even uh, goes against the grain of their beliefs. That's how we stay open-minded, which I think is crucial. So I'm a big fan. David, Welcome.
1: Uh, thanks very much. Happy to be with you.
0: So uh, real quickly, let's talk about this. China's bid to leave COVID behind could determine global economy's fate. I mean, when I look at your headline, uh, I always get in, in advance what you know what the reporter is going to be talking about. I saw that and I was like, wow, that was almost like the uh, trailer of a, of a sci-fi movie. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's ominous.
1: Well, we we, we hope it, uh, it it turns out to be less scary than that. But it uh, but it, it is uh, you know what's happening in China now has uh, obviously lots of consequences for the Chinese people. Uh, but the ripple effects are, are going to be felt all over the world uh, because they're you know they're trying to do something. They, as you probably know, took a very different approach to managing the the covid uh outbreak than than we did or really that the most countries around the world did they basically tried to almost completely shut their borders uh and and go into repeated uh, uh draconian lockdowns i mean lockdowns beyond the sort of thing that anybody saw anywhere else i mean at one point Early on, I remember seeing some videos, I think, on Twitter of, of of literally people being kind of welded into their apartments with the doors being uh, welded shut uh, to try and clamp down on the outbreak that way. Now, fast forward to today, and, and rather abruptly, they've sort of opened up again and said, okay, folks, go back to work, go back to business as usual, uh, and you've got this enormous population, Almost all of whom have no immunity, no natural immunity to the virus. So, you know, the outbreak now is is running through like like uh, wildfire, and lots of folks, hundreds of millions of folks, are going to get sick, uh, and a tragic number are going to die.
0: Yeah, and it comes with interesting, uh, you know, backdrop of the fact that in 2023. Uh, India's population is going to surpass China. And this last, just what, a month ago, we learned that China actually had a decrease in its uh, population growth, a net decrease. Um, and that's even before all, the, all of these uh, actions that have taken place. It's really quite bizarre when you look at it, David.
1: It, and it, it, it hugely consequential uh, for the economy, you know. And, and this is the legacy of the one-child policy that uh, that the government put in place over there. I believe it was back in 1980 when they were worried mm-hmm. about uh, you know the population getting out of control and they wouldn't be able to, to you know to develop and they'd be sort of trapped in poverty. Uh, and and that led to all sorts of distortions and, you know, forced abortion, forced uh, birth control and the like. Uh, and But it did clamp down on, on population growth. And so now the problem is, as you mentioned, the population is now starting to tip over into decline. And it's particularly acute in the working age population, which are the folks you need to go out and make the economy run uh, and earn enough to pay for the increasing number of elderly who have to be supported.
0: Yeah, if you look at a population like a pyramid, uh, you know, you want the older people on the top of the pyramid, not in the middle or the bottom. They pretty much uh, began to flip that pyramid upside down.
1: Yeah, a, a little bit, and it's just, it comes down to, you know, how many workers you have earning and saving who can support the folks who are no longer are able to work. Uh, you know, obviously, if you think of it at a family level, if you're, uh, you know, if you're an only child, as I as I am, uh, my parents are, are are passed, but you know, you, if you've got one person working to support two elder, elderly folks, that's harder than if you had a, a family of ten kids, all of whom could could chip in a little bit, you know, uh, with with finances uh, or, or with uh, helping out around the house. The the more workers you have to contribute to the, the care of the elderly, the, the easier. The, the task is.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for third world countries and developing countries, which, you, you know, and some might say China still is to a certain extent in some areas, but certainly was uh, until what, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, that was Social Security. A large family was Social Security. Uh, rather up to 1980, rather. when when, And I think 80 is right on your date. Uh, very darn close to that. You know, up until 80... Large families was the uh, uh, most common form of, quote, social security from a financial perspective for the Chinese people. Uh, and so, the, I mean, it's, it's been so disruptive. And, yeah, I do believe it's, it's uh, really systemic to a lot of the problems they have today with that one-child uh, one policy. So talk about the transition, because it was hard for every country. And it's funny how no matter how critical uh, people were early on with COVID about those who who uh you know were advocating, no, we need more shutdowns, no, we need more safety. Uh, you know, and that was really kind of a right left issue in this country where uh, you know, I thought both parties, frankly, took kind of an extreme. Uh, but you know, but but eventually, what we have is, uh, you know, we we've got to. We're living in a fairy tale. We think we're we're uh, ever going to just conquer this without being exposed to it, and it will be costly. It will be painful. That seems to be conventional wisdom uh, globally, David.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's some truth to that. You know, the the, the virus is out there. It's not it's not going away. Fortunately, we we here in in uh, the U.S. have have got uh, both vaccines and treatments. So 2023 is not like 2020. I'm afraid I was just saying that. I was out for a few beers last night with a buddy of mine. Uh, we were sitting at a crowded bar, uh, not far from my house here in Northern Virginia, and you know, uh, I said three years ago we we couldn't have done this uh or two, certainly 2 years ago 3 years ago we we probably still were <laughs> but 2 years ago we, we couldn't have done this uh and so life is is pretty much back to normal and and China's just at the beginning of that process now uh and it it's going to go fast because you know this the the illness is spreading across the country at an incredible rate and I think the feeling over there now is that it 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 actually peaked sooner than initially anticipated in the large cities, in, the, in Beijing and Shanghai and Wuhan and, and places like that. But now with the Chinese New Year, which is really the high point of the calendar for the, for the Chinese people and for people across Asia in many, in many respects, so everybody who's working in a factory down in, in Guangzhou or or uh, uh, or anywhere else along the coast, they now all go back to their, their villages in the in the inland, in the re- more remote parts of China to, to see their family, see their friends, to celebrate the New Year. And a lot of them are going to be taking the virus with them, and they're going to be taking it into places where the healthcare care system is very thin, not well-resourced, and is not going to be able to, to cope. So you're going to see sort of a second wave of, of uh, illness and death as this burns through the rural areas. And then once, uh, once they get on the other side of that, which is going to be painful, once they get on the other side of that, things should start to, to really pick up uh, in terms of the economy.
0: Yes, and it sounds, you know, again, with my initial comments about how sci-fi the uh, article appeared, you know, we were mentioning the uh, the problems of demographics, uh, people who need support uh, because of the race. Well, we know when, uh, when they take an approach like they're taking, which to one extent or another, almost every other country has done, uh, the biggest sufferers are the elderly people. And so it will actually address some of that part of their population problem, I'm afraid, in the worst possible way.
1: Yeah, it's I mean there's there's no no getting around uh the, the human cost of this uh which is you know has uh, you know I think we've seen images of of the hospitals being overwhelmed and the crematoriums uh being overwhelmed with uh as a matter of fact we had a good story in our paper uh Few days ago, I think that showed satellite images outside some of the major crematoriums where you know bodies are, are cremated, and you know the relative to the usual uh, number of of, uh, of corpses being processed, the numbers are sky high now. Of course, the government hasn't fully acknowledged. They've put out some statistics, but I don't think they're regarded by outside experts as remotely complete. Um, but what you can infer from what you see around these crematoria is, you know, just uh, an avalanche of death.
0: Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, talk a little bit about what you're seeing as far as, as the scenarios as they move ahead. And what is the efficacy rate of the, uh, drugs, the vaccines you're using?
1: Well, I'm I'm probably not your greatest source on, on vaccine efficacy. What what I what I've seen reported and it's not really my area of expertise is that if you get enough shots of the Chinese uh made vaccine, it it, it it's almost as effective uh, as the, uh, the the Pfizer and the Moderna, not quite, but you know it's not it's not a terrible vaccine. I think the bigger problem is they haven't had they've been in, the government's been very inconsistent in their messaging. On getting vaccinated. They haven't made it, uh, you know, they've got, if if the Chinese government wants to get out a message to its domestic population, they control the media, they can get that message out, uh, and they haven't done it in a very effective way. And you've also got, you know, a very deeply ingrained Uh, suspicion among, particularly among, I think, some of the older people in China about pharmaceutical products, product quality in general, because they've had a number of scandals over there over the years. Uh, Baby formula that turned out to be poisoned. uh, Pharmaceuticals that are supposed to be one thing and turn out not to be uh, what they're advertised at. So there's a lot of skepticism, not of the sort of uh anti vax uh, sentiment that you see in, in the US and other western countries but a, a a really quite legitimate uh in some cases fear that okay you're you're telling me this product is one thing but i you know i don't know if it really is that it could be you know gasoline it could be could be lemonade it could be any i don't know what's in here uh and so thank you very much i'm not going to take the shot and so that's why you've got this—the the elderly population, in particular, uh, the, the pickup uh, or the take-up on the vaccination uh, has not been anywhere near what it needs to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess we should not be surprised if they do begin to require you to have a shot card if you want to be out in the public. Um, you know, knowing how they do do things there. This question yeah. of when. Yeah.
1: Uh, possibly it's 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 not clear to me what the approach is going to be because as i say they they haven't they they have the government has not made the sort of uh you know full out unrestrained push that like look to be to be a loyal Citizen, uh, you must go out and, and get this. Or if you don't get this, you're not going to be allowed to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, it, it hasn't been uh, nearly what you what you might have expected. Um, and you know, but I think looking forward, uh, once you get through the first quarter, I think the expectation is this situation after all this, you know, human pain and suffering suffering that you have to acknowledge. You don't want to, you know, just uh, focus on dollars and cents here. There's going to be an awful lot of human suffering. But from an economic standpoint, once you get beyond that first quarter, I think the expectation is, and you're already seeing signs of it, the return to sort of normal life, going out to restaurants, you know, spending money at the movie theater, or at a ball game, that sort of stuff that we saw a year ago, the Chinese are going to start to see it, uh, and then that's why uh, economists expect the Chinese to to post uh, better growth numbers this year than they did last year.
0: Yeah, so it may not be as sci-fi as I as it sounds. So okay, that would be good. David Lynch, he's a financial writer at the Washington Post. Again, we do an ongoing series with the, the Post uh, because, frankly, no one does news like them. You can learn more about them at WashingtonPost.com. I will have a link to his article as well at PriceofBusiness.com. David, final thoughts as we wrap it up?
1: Well, I think, you know, there's still, for the global economy, uh, you know, a lot of uncertainty out there. The good news is it doesn't look, the prospect of a global recession does not look as likely as it might have a couple of months ago. Uh, You know, the outlook here at the U.S., for all the projections of recession, the economy still is kind of surprisingly strong for the moment. Uh, most business leaders still expect a, a downturn later this year, but perhaps a shallow one. Europe's a weak spot. Uh, Japan's posting anemic growth. And so that's why we circle back uh, to China and say, you know, that's, that's really the bright spot uh, perhaps for the last three quarters of this year with the caveat that, you know, they, they don't run into an unexpected problem down the line with COVID, and the risk there is with that incredibly large population, the, the virus running amok, that's the sort of circumstance where the risk would be that you get some new variant that we haven't seen yet. So fingers crossed that doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. David Lynch, thanks so much for being with us. I am Kevin Price, and this is the nationally syndicated Price of This a Show.